Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. other 
but always stand on your own two feet. Can you imagine them in, in, in 30 years' time how they have to learn, how they had to learn, how to really, you know, stand on their own, do the things that they wanted to do, but at the same time understanding that no man is an island. we got to get this done together. We're in it for the long haul together. It's not a one-man show. But I have to tell you, they were extreme. Oh, they were so good. They were so good. We get such, oh, my goodness, such gems from the couples that God sends us. And, um, you know, it's a blessing to have been able to have Bishop Gary and Lady Brenda Battle in our relationship uh, clinic on Monday. Well, we would not finish off properly if we did not have the switch tip with Shantice and study for yourself is what she had to tell us and she has truly been knocking it out the park as she has been giving us switch tips week by week by week. And, um, you know, how can you attest that anyone is telling you the whole truth and nothing but the truth if you don't study for yourself? You know, you're not just supposed to sit in the pew and be a robot. No, you have to be able to say amen and know that, you know, that is uh, the truth. And the only way you're going to know that that's the truth is if you studied for yourself. Yes. You know, we're not going to make it into the kingdom by, you know, telling what someone else has to say. Oh, you know, they gave a good sermon, and they couldn't even tell you what the person said. No. How are you going to develop that stronger relationship with the Lord for what someone else studies? You know, you're not going to know what um, someone uh, needs, how you need to service a particular individual, how you're supposed to love God's people, you know, this is not a cookie-cutter thing. The only way you're going to know is if God gives it to you, okay? How do you know what to follow in life if you don't study for yourself? Well, I mean, there are a million reasons that you need to study for yourself in order to please and serve God, all right? So make sure, you know, that you are, you go ahead and you get that information in you so that you can meditate on it day and night. Okay? How are you going to do that? If you don't study for yourself. Oh, yeah. All right? Well, that's how we spent our Monday. Or when we looked up, let's talk about a Tuesday church folk day rolled around, and uh, we talked about the man who had been speaking to his wife, 
about her donating funds to the church and how, ooh, an argument ensued when he found out that she had given almost all of what he had given her as a donation to the church. Now, you have to admit, doing something like that is not really healthy, you know, toward your relationship. You know, yes, we are to give God and, you know, we have our, you know, mandated amount and then we have, you know, offering that we want to give to God. But God says you got to take care of home too. Yes, God does say that in the word of God. You know, just, hey, a man that doesn't take care of his home is worse than an infidel. Yeah. And he challenges, you know, hey, how can you, you know, take care of the house of the Lord, my house, when you can't even take care of your home? Well, all of that stuff counts, and all of that stuff matters. Yes. You can't wake up one day and just start giving everything to the church. Well, listen, they didn't only argue. He took that thing to the next level. When anyone looked up, he made sure the church was clear. He doused the church with gasoline and set the whole church on fire. Now, we don't want to be responsible for someone hating the church, right? Right. So we got to get our balancing act together and, you know, got to go to the Lord to get that done. You know, then go to the Lord to get that done. All righty? Well, wow, Wednesday rolled around. And our uh, girlfriend, Vivian, brought us the socially conscious segment. And she talked about that high school football team. Yes, the students had, I mean, an impossible head coach. One who made him... uh, made them do 400 push-ups without any water. Now, you talk about power tripping. That is straight power tripping. Yes. And to the tune of one of the students ended up with some muscle issue and had to be rushed to the hospital and had to spend a week there. Yes. So we're going to pray that they get some, again, that balancing act, you know, send somebody in there, make sure a coach is not, you know, even the next coach does not go, you know, overboard if if that's what they find, you know, that they want to do. But, uh, yeah, he's on leave. He's on leave. He needs to be on a big leave and a permanent one. Well, the wow story of the morning that uh, took our morning to the next level was uh, our girlfriend, Anita. (laughs) Yeah, Anita was the one who talked about a girlfriend getting the BBL, tummy tuck, and liposuction. Her girlfriend went over to the DR to get all of this done, came home with one less kidney. Yes, boy, they had just taken her kidney out altogether. And uh, we've talked about having, you know, these uh, these um, 
these procedures, especially on the other side. And, um, you know, we have to pray for our sisters and, you know, some of our brothers that, you know, they understand that, you know, hey, God has made you in a special way. For you have been made fearfully and wonderfully. And, you know, we can't uh, get that. Can't lose sight of that. The point of, you know, we're damaging our bodies. And, you know, we even had, you know, someone who spoke and said, Hey, I know someone who's going back. And she's suffering from the first procedure. But is actually talking about how she's unpleased with another part of her body, you know, and and would possibly consider doing this all over again. And, uh, you know, we really got to stand in the gap for our people because they are really, really losing it. So, you know, that's how we spent our Wednesday. And, you know, we got that ice cream on the you know, on top of the cake with our Faith Over Fear segment with our Pastor Charlene, you know, in that same vein. All right? Oh, yesterday. Ooh, wait. Did you, did you, were you a part of yesterday's broadcast? Oh, we had our Pastor Hewlett Packet on. Pearson, you hear me? Hewlett Packet. Ah! Hewlett Pearson on. And uh, she talked about her book. And uh, Get Got. Oh, my goodness. And she brought three points, three chapters to the light in our presentation yesterday. And she did a phenomenal job in getting our attention and uh, just really pointing out and highlighting um, some things. And uh, man, oh man, oh man, you know, God definitely sent her because she was definitely confirming something in each and every one of her points. You know, her first point, uh, stop, breathe. You know, that's one of the chapters where it talks about the anger and the story about Cain and Abel and, you know, what Abel, uh, what, what Abel kind of suffered from when his brother was angry. That's how I'm going to put that. And uh, she even gave her own personal uh, testimony to go along with that chapter. She also brought, uh, talked about the chapter Order for Wonder. Ooh, following instructions and how Joshua led the Israelites in that manner, just following instructions to the letter. Okay? And she talked about you're enough. That chapter. And ooh, another slam dunk confirmation 
as she uh, talked about that chapter just the day before, we talked about the BBL, the liposuction, the tummy tucks, and uh, the fact that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knows, you know, what he put into your package. So it was just a phenomenal, oh, and her presentation, the presentation in and of itself was just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. And uh, we are definitely going to have her back. You know, she has two other books. So I would love to see, you know, what those books are about. But um, we were really blessed this week. I mean, we had one powerful week. You know, the weeks have been very powerful in and of itself. Yes, from week to week. We never have the same week twice. And the weeks have been incredible. The presentations have really been just on point. So, you know, we want to encourage you to go back and listen. Go back and listen to battles Monday, Tuesday. You know, our, our panel of pastors Wednesday. Our women of worship and uh, Thursday, uh, Pastor Hewlett Pearson and her book, Get Got. And um, today, hey, Freestyle Friday, where we get to do whatever it is we want to do. And uh, talk to the men is what we do. And uh, we've got some stories to talk about and we're going to catch up you know with some uh, some news for today yep so please go get that healthy breakfast number two please go tell somebody that it's due time where Pastor Steph is on and three make sure you go nowhere Because we will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Governor Gretchen Whitmer. I wanted to take a moment to talk to you because January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Around the world and in our country, children, women, and men are trafficked. Often, human trafficking is a hidden crime and can take different forms, including sex trafficking, forced labor, and it always involves the exploitation of vulnerable people. Those trafficked may be afraid to come forward and get help. They may be forced or coerced through threats of violence, or they may fear retribution from traffickers, including danger to their families. They may not be in possession of or have control of their identification documents. If you see something, speak up. Call the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 888-3737-888 to report suspicious activity. Your call could make the difference. For more information on human trafficking, visit polarisproject.org and Michigan Human Trafficking Commission at michigan.gov.
know I'm doing all this talking. Thank you so much. You know, my my uh, my uh, people in the background, they always, they love me. They let me know that something ain't right. Uh, welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Freestyle Friday. You know, we keep it simple over here on It's Due Time. You know, yes, we can do whatever we want to do, but we wait to hear from the men. And um, it is such a blessing that God has kept us going all week, kept us healthy, kept us safe. And um, here we are at the end of the week. Yes, 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 yes. You know, we have so much to give God thanks for. So uh, make sure you thank him properly by living and serving him and not just with this bogus, I say thank you every day. Make sure you do whatever it is that God tells you to do. You know, the the mandates, you know, are very simple. Um, You know, you don't have to go overboard. Just simplistic stuff And um, That's how you show God That you're grateful Alrighty Alrighty Well Hmm What are we talking about this morning Well You know I gotta say My Favorite cell phone company I'm going to have to start wondering about that. Now, they are the leaders in the pack of cell phone carriers. And that's that monster T-Mobile. But uh, you got to wonder what T-Mobile's doing over there. Because there are 37 million customers with stolen data. Now... I have to tell you, over the years, I have gotten quite a few uh, class action um, cards, and I've gotten 37 cents, I've gotten $100, I've gotten, you know, different amounts of money that, you know, we have been paid, you know, for accidents, for negligence. Of a data breach You know whether You know years ago they were carrying The uh, Your data from One spot to the next And somebody lost it Or something was stolen To the fact that You know cyber Stealing You know has been um, The case at times So you know And I mean from different companies Many different companies Or they'll send you something in the mail That says hey um, You got free monitoring Of your um, Your credit um, Report Because we You know there was a breach And you know someone uh, Again Cyber stole You know your intimate information And yeah This has been over the years But this here particular thing This here is is Now 
questionable for me. So you have T-Mobile that is the uh, big-time wireless carrier, as you know, and they have been snagged again, again, with some type of, they say, unidentified malicious intruder who has stolen 37 million customers' information, such as your address, your phone number, and your date of birth. Now, I could be one of those 37 million people who has been um, uh, snagged, but they're saying there have been no pins. Well, they, they don't know your pin no way. Um, oh, well, the internal pin. With T-Mobile, you have to give them um, a pin. So I guess that's what they're talking about. So there, it hasn't been your pin. It hasn't been your bank account or your credit card info your social security number, or any other information that they have in their possession that belongs to us. So here we are again, and I keep saying again for a reason, because I got to tell you that when I read this, there was like some serious, serious annoyance when they say that in July, T-Mobile agreed to pay $350 million to customers who filed a class action lawsuit after the company disclosed in August of 2021 that personal data, including your social security number, your driver's license info, had been stolen. And they say nearly 80 million United States residents were affected. Now, it also said that it was supposed to spend $150 million through 2023 to fortify its data security and other technology. Well, prior to 2021... They had an intrusion um, several times in January 21, November of 19, August of 18, in which the customer's information was also accessed. And now, if you're making all this money, why you haven't done a better job at securing our information? Now, you can be the leader in all of this cyber world, but you can't, you know, do better in this area. So, some of, I'll tell you what some of the people have, um, they're saying that, uh, so they fail to protect the data, time for penalties. The CEO is responsible, and I wanna I wanna stick a pin there for a quick second because we're gonna talk about um, a situation where there's a lot of finger pointing later. So I wanna remember I want you to remember 
this here where they're saying the CEO is responsible and why the CEO is not in jail at this point. Um, and they're saying, why does any vendor need so much sensitive information on a customer such as a social security number, your date of birth? But, you know, I can get it. I can get why you would need it because, you know, with all of the... Um, with all of the terrorism and things like that, they're trying to, and I mean this this government is supposedly trying to authenticate each person, you know, and with cell phones and things like this, you know, they've used cell phones to, you know, detonate bombs and communicate and all kinds of things. So. I'm not surprised as to why you need all of this information. Um, <laughs> somebody wrote, oh, yay, I'll get another 50 cents for my share of the monetary award while the lawyers get the big bucks. So I told you, I've gotten a couple of cents, $10. You know, I've gotten, you know, money back. Uh, being a part of these class action suits over the years. Um, so one person says, does it matter? We all have had our personal data stolen by now. I just keep my credit locked with the three big credit bureaus. And, you know, my personal, my personal feeling is, uh, you know, I'm not surprised you know, at a breach, but a breach this often, I'm thinking it's an inside job. I think that, you know, it ain't nobody going to keep on stealing and you're going to still leave us out there vulnerable to get our information stolen. I think it's been a little bit of everything. I think it's been a... Uh, you know, a, a level of negligence. I think that it's been an internal breach. I think that, you know, um, maybe they have, you know, supposedly set us up to be protected, but they didn't do a great job of it. You know, they did a, they did a lazadaisical job of it. And, you know, I think, again, you collecting too much money. Too much money. And I'm going to talk about the fact that, you know, we here who call in, you know, if you have, um, when you call in to Block Talk, the number that they have given T-Mobile reads as a party line. And because it's, it's a party line number, we pay. Now, it's only one cent a minute. So, you know, if we're on, the maximum we'll pay for one show is $1.20. But with Shantice and I calling at times from our cell phones, it gets to be another, like, $30 on my phone bill. Now, you didn't rack up all this money as this big conglomerate cell phone carrier. Everybody else can call for free, but we can't. You already got my money. And I have to say, they have the best prices. They have the best price plans. 
So my thing is, come on, y'all can't throw that number in? Are those numbers in? So you making your money. Spend it to protect us properly. So that's just kind of like a heads up. Get a card in the mail. Get a text. Get a an email. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Um, you know, again, we're vulnerable, vulnerable all across the board. Because I tell you, over the years, I've gotten from Target. I've gotten from several um, vendors and merchants and stuff like that. So it can hit you from anywhere. All right. Well, what else are we talking about today? Hmm. We're talking about this. Um. No, I want to save that for the men. I'm going to save that one for the men. Uh. Let me pick through. Well, we have another account of a track coach who gave minors alcohol. And videotape their sexual exploits. Yeah. They say teacher's aide and the track's coach, track coach hosted a, a party. And they gave alcohol to minors. As well as they videotaped, you know, the, uh, the sexual activity of the party goers. And this may have been a setup for one big... Uh, what do you call this thing? Like one big party, and like you know, like they said, they gave the kids alcohol, yeah, so that they could have something to videotape. So they say that this Peyton Harris has been charged with furnishing alcohol to a minor and sexual abuse of children, as well as child pornography. And this party was at his house. How dumb are you? Um, and uh, he pled guilty to all the charges. Well, listen, you got this on video, stupid. So, you know, I'm like Shatish today. This is, you just dumb. You know, again, you put this stuff on tape. They got you. They got you big time. Not only that, it's in your house. So all they got to do is go in your house and match it up to what they see in the videotape. Dummy. Well... Um, they say that they found, <laughs> they found out that he and the other person gave alcohol to minors with fake ID cards and that they took photos and sexual photos and videos of these kids. And um, now, all because you wanted to have a good videotape, you don't have a job. And, you know, these are some good jobs these people are giving up. These are some good jobs these people are giving up. They're not giving up no little bogus jobs. They're giving up some good jobs. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Well, well, well. This one here, I'm surprised we haven't heard this happen more often. They say there's a Colorado man who's been hospitalized 
Uh, after eating eating at a Taco Bell. Now I'll tell you what happened. So this customer went to Taco Bell and he um, he ended up getting into some kind of dispute with one of the male customers and 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 and. Um, and Oh, it was between him and an employee due to a malfunctioning soda machine. So they ended up settling this whole thing with the fact that he had ordered three bean and cheese burritos. And what they did was they gave him a fourth one for free. And... They say he went home and had to be rushed to the hospital. Only hours later, and they ended up, the people at the hospital contacted the sheriff's office to report that one of the patients (laughs) had ingested rat poison after eating at a Taco Bell and becoming ill. So the hospital confirmed that it was poison in the burrito, and they also confirmed that the uh, the the victim had eaten at the Taco Bell earlier, and that this was the same person that had had the dispute at the Taco Bell. So. They say that authorities said that they saw some greenish-gray substance inside of the food, but at that time, they had not determined on what it was. So when they did, like, the whole investigation and they watched the timeline, they said, yeah, that person had been poisoned from Taco Bell. But here's the problem, of course. Well, you know, I guess it's easy enough to investigate and find out. So they say that they turned over the surveillance video from the restaurant, but they claim they didn't know how the rat poison got in the food because they don't carry rat poisoning in the restaurant. So in other words, what they're trying to say is, when that employee had the disagreement with the customer that they laced that final, um, or at least one of those burritos with some rat poisoning. And they they really have to do the investigation because, you know, investigating because they claim, you know, they don't use it, did the videotapes, don't show, let's say, this person going in the back, putting the poison in there. But it'll come out. It'll come out. Because, see, you stupid like that. You ended up, you know, uh, responding. How you got three beef, how you got three three bean casser, uh, burritos and only one has rat poison in it? 
How? Don't you know that they can do the forensics on that, what people eat? And they can tell where it came from? Come on, y'all. You got to be a little more smart than that. You got to be a little more smarter than that. So whatever it is made you that angry with the with the customer, you're going to put some rat poison in in their food. That's what I say. Don't argue with people serving you food. Don't make that mistake because you're going to pay for that one. Yeah. So remember that little side note. Do not, do not, you know, fight with the people that's going to serve you food. Okay? All righty. What else are we talking about this morning? All right. We're going to do a recap of the story of the uh, little six-year-old who was shot, who shot the teacher. Now, here's how they caption all of these um, stories. Oh, the six-year-old who shot the teacher um, finally speaks up, or we've heard from, you know, for the first time, you know, from the six-year-old who shot and wounded the teacher. Oh, yeah, you've got, like, several, several, several um, accounts um, and, and headlines to draw you in. So let me, let me show you how they dupe us. The family of the six-year-old who uh, shot the teacher, now they claim he has an acute disability. Now you have to listen because this one is a little lengthy. I got two stories today that's going to be a little bit lengthy, but you got to hear the okey-doke. You got to hear the okey-doke. So they claim that he has an acute disability and that one of his parents usually accompanies him in the classroom but didn't that week of the shooting. Let me tell you what else they claim. They say that did the family released the statement but through the attorney. So ain't nobody in the family talking. Okay? Now they're saying our family has always been committed to responsible gun ownership and keeping firearms out of the reach of children. Now they don't have which family member says this, but that's the statement that the family member um, said. The firearm our son accessed was secured. Okay. It didn't elaborate any further on where this 9mm handgun was kept that they claim was secured. Then they, uh, they claim that the gun was in the mother's closet on, top, on the top shelf that was well over six feet high and the weapon also had a trigger lock that requires a key similar to a bike lock. Now, when they asked them 
How did the child get access to the gun? We don't know, was the response. Okay? Then they talked about this disability, and they claimed that he was under a care plan at the school that included his mother or father attend uh, attend school and accompany him to the class every day. And that this was, again, the first week that they did not do so. Well, it's real unclear, because they didn't elaborate on this either, what it meant when they said the family would accompany him to the classroom every day. So you don't know, did that mean they took him to the door, said goodbye, or they literally sat in the class with him, and they stayed there throughout the day, or they stayed there for part of the day. None of this is clear. So they didn't define his disability um, other than to say he has a care plan. So they're comparing it to, like, for those children who have an IEP, an individualized education program. And you may not know what that is, but you do know special ed. So in order for a child to um, be put in any level of special education, they have to have, you know, a, a personal evaluation of the child to check the the child's um, intellectual ability, behavioral ability, and they're saying that he had one. But they never again zone in on whether it's uh, intellect, Behavior or both? No, that never comes up. They also talk about um, the fact that he has been evaluated and, um, you know, he does have this special need. Um, They definitely do not go into any level of detail, none of the severity in this in this this child's um this child's case, um, everything the little bit they said was all vague. So they at the end of the day gave up nothing. So they claimed that the mama legally purchased the gun, but she don't know how he got access to it. And They say Virginia law prohibits leaving a loaded gun where it is accessible to a child under 14, a misdemeanor crime punishment with a maximum one-year prison sentence, and a $2,500 fine. Well, I don't know about y'all. Mama needs to be, she, she violated. She violated. She violated big time. This is a six-year-old child. They claim that they have been responsible gun owners. They keep the firearms out of the reach of the children. That the firearm was secured. They claim that the gun was in the mother's closet on a top shelf that was well over six feet high. The weapon had a trigger lock. 
that requires a key similar to a bike lock. And when they ask her, how did he get access, we don't know. Well, listen, they may not have, they may not have to tell us, but they surely need to face some real charges on this thing here when it comes to this baby. Because ain't nowhere in the world. I'm looking at my granddaughter who is growing like a weed. She's eight. She can't get access to certain things without getting a chair, climbing, and doing all of this stuff. So, how is a six-year-old able to get access if the gun was secured and put away and all that? Nah, 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 nah. You know, those I don't knows might be um, good for us, but it sure ain't good for the authorities. Because I'd be locking them up. When you got a story next, it would have been, they were talking from jail. Yeah. They were talking from jail. Because what had that gun discharged and he shot himself? I was trying to look here and they were talking about when he was in the school. Because at one point I vaguely saw another article that said they had checked the bag that he was carrying and the bag and the gun didn't show up in that bag so I don't know what's going on but all I know is oh they eat this okie doke cause that's exactly what's going down they would definitely eat this issue here all the negligence that went into this And now y'all finally break with an explanation that's not an explanation at all. So in my opinion, y'all might as well keep your mouth shut. Because this didn't make you look good at all. No, the teacher did not die. Um, She, thank God, um, she was discharged from the hospital. Um, They talk about her heroic um, behavior. Whereas she actually got all the children out the classroom, you know, um, before they ended up, you know, getting the, the gun away from the child. So it's a lot of answering of questions, and they ain't answered none. They haven't answered anything. Because if you really kept this gun up on the top shelf, it was secured, but boss got this kind of lock. Somebody had to take the gun down and didn't put it back. Enough is enough already. Enough of tapping and tap dancing around these people. Lock somebody up. And they have not said yet that anybody was arrested for this happening. Well, you can't arrest the kid. So who are you going to arrest? Now, again, 
I'm paying attention to this story because the story that we're going to talk about next is uh, is another story that mm, kind of fits this bill. But yet they've gotten, they've taken action on that side. So, you know, let, let's talk to our men, see what they got to say about this here. Oh, uh, let's say good morning. I got to find out if Brother Al heard uh, the story. Good morning, Brother Al. Good morning, Chop Cop. Good morning. Good morning to you. How you doing? I am well, thank you. I am well. I, I pray that you're well also. Uh, Brother Al, did you hear this story? I heard some of it about how uh, the little kid got a hotel for the gun. And uh, so I, I don't know, did he shoot himself or did he shoot somebody? I heard some of it. Well, here's, here's the, we, we talked about the story um, already. They've been quite quiet on, um, you know, in regards to, um, you know, this this whole thing and finally they put out all these headlines yesterday that finally you know you hearing something from the six year old six year old ain't said a thing yet um they have not said in all of this article that the six year old has said anything but they're saying that the family is now speaking up and they claim that um, let me see. Again, I'll repeat it. Um, hold on a second. I want to get to the part where they claim. Okay, so they say that, you know, the parents worked hard to make sure that this gun was secured. They say that the gun was in the mother's closet on the top shelf that was well over six feet high that the gun has a trigger lock that requires a key and that's similar to a bike lock and they ask the family well how did he get access to the gun and they say we don't know they claim that the child was also under um, some type of care plan where the parents, um, they they try to determine a couple of ways. They say that the mother or father uh, has to attend school with him and accompany him to the class every day. And they're saying that this is the first week where it hadn't been done. And they're saying that Again, you know, they're not making it clear as to whether they have to literally sit in the classroom with him or just drop him at the door. Because they say a company, then they say um, spending time with, they use many different um, verbiage here. And they're saying that he has been under an IEP, so there's either some level of um, educational delay, or he has a behavioral issue. And 
they um they're saying that interestingly enough that they knew that the child may have had a weapon before the shooting, but a search did not find the handgun. Now you six years old. How savvy are you with hiding a gun? I don't get this. is some garbage here. Listen, I'm screaming arrest, arrest, arrest. I arrest cousins, arrest grandma, arrest brother-in-law, just arrest everybody. Because see, this here, this is too much. This could have gone very differently, very differently. Very differently. They could have killed him. Absolutely. Killed him. You know, it's as I'm listening to what you're saying, right? Crazy. Now, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, as I'm listening to what you're saying, is that, you know, some somebody needs to be arrested. So one thing I can say is I know what side of the fence you're on because if it was on our side of the fence, everybody would have went down, you know? Oh, yeah. There was a gun involved with a minor. Okay, so... That goes on the family. How does that child get to that gun? Like you said, they have so many ways to have your gun put up and locked because, um, you know, I have my home license, and they put you to the ring. How is it going to be installed? What box you got? How do it lock? Do it have a trigger lock? It shouldn't be loaded. There's so many rules to it. So somebody needs to be arrested because you just, you know, you, you had it laying around for this child to get to it, and then now you got to go sit in the school with him. No. That child needs to go get some psychological help. Yes, he, he definitely get an IEP. We know that. And you, what is, how is that helping with you accompanying him to school? He's still not getting the help. He needs to get the help on why did you decide you need to take a gun to school? Why did you take a gun to school? So they just get no scot free. I'm with you. Everybody in the house should get arrested. Everybody. You know, Brother Al, they 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 doing a lot of okie doke here. They doing a lot of tap dancing because they also again I read that the Virginia state law says they can't even have a gun with bull that's loaded. So this is why somebody got to go down because and how did the child get a hold to a load a loaded gun? So the gun oh I got the hiccups oh my goodness I'm so sorry. Um, the gun has no business even being in the reach of a child that's loaded. So you trying to tell somebody that the gun was up, this got safety, this, come on, come on, come on. And you know what else, Brother Al, I, I, I raised my eyebrow at? Now, all this time, somebody was at least supposed to accompany the child. They still haven't said what somebody should be sitting in the class all day but at least accompany the child. Now, after the child gets accompanied, um, the week that nothing, that no parent goes is the week he got the gun? What kind of mess is this? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's absolutely crazy. You know, and, and, and because he got a gun, number one, child protective service, it's supposed to come in and take the child away for right now till they get to the bottom of this. So it, 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 it's some okey-doke going on. You know, I'm, I, I'm like Millie Jackson. All this stuff starting to add up, and I don't need a calculator to add it. 
stupid, Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, some, some, oh some freaky God. stuff going on is, and as we go further and further with the story, it's telling me what side of the fence it's on. Because I'm telling you, if it was us, that would not be happening. People would be in jail. That child would be put in foster care. And, and that's the procedure. They're supposed to take that child, uh, child protective service, supposed to take that child from right now and, and, and see what's going on and why this happened. And the parents could be investigated. Because you're, you're straight up lying. You're telling me that the gun was up on top. Okay, there's so many stuff to that. Okay, then why was the gun loaded? Because when you have it in the house, your gun is not supposed to be loaded unless you get right. ready to, to right. you know, protect your home. Other than that, because I used to always beef with my dad, like, okay, somebody breaking my house, I got to unload a gun, now what? <laughs> you know, I used to always beef about that. So the gun has to be unloaded. So somebody, somebody ain't, somebody has done something wicked. Oh, yeah, somebody paying somebody under the table or something. Somebody knows something, Tim Pan. Somebody knows something. Well, Al, let me ask you this, Brother Al. Let me ask you this. You have, they say, they knew the child had a gun or may have had the weapon before the shooting even took place, but they did a search and didn't find a handgun. Now, Brother Al, where could they have searched that the six-year-old, now remember now, the six-year-old is normally escorted to the classroom. Let's stop there. We're not going to talk about whether the people that sat in the class with them all day, an hour, 20 minutes. We don't know. Every day, they take him on this journey from home to the car or the bus or whatever into the school to his desk. So by himself, he's not taking no other route, Brother Al, how in the world you don't know whether a six-year-old got a gun or not? And if you think he got the gun, what made you think he had the gun? So when you figured he had the gun and you decided to search, where could he have put this gun, Brother Al? Because he only knows one way to get from the front of the um, um, school. to the, Who dropped him off? See, six years old, he didn't drive to school himself. He didn't take the bus himself. He got to the school. They're saying this is the first week nobody accompanied him to the class. Where did they put? Where where would he have put this gun, brother Al? Yeah, that's 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 insane. So so it leads me to believe that one of the parents when gave him the gun, they slipped it to him. So I, a six-year-old, he got a book bag, and he got a coat. If, if it's cold out. So where else can he put the gun? He put it in his waist and probably said the gun bigger than him. If it's in his book bag, it's right there. Now you're making me think that the parents slipped the gun. You think he, you think he had a gun. Come on, are you serious? What made you think that? Right. Where did you get the inclination? Where did you get the inclination that he could have had the gun? But you searched and you didn't find a handgun. I tell you, nah, this 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 here, nah. They, I, I'm with Pastor Charlotte. They didn't pay somebody. Somebody somebody ain't, ain't answering some questions, but somebody got some answers. Oh my goodness, brother Al. Oh my goodness. Thank you for joining us today. Let's talk to our pastor KL and see what he 
Scott to say what's on his mind. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. I'm well. All right, you didn't hear all you need to hear about this gun oh, issue with this six year old child. What's your thought? Well, I have a couple of thoughts. One is, I don't think that I've heard the reason why he stopped the teacher. I mean, was, was, was there something leading up that he felt that he needed a gun for this particular teacher? Or was he just out of his mind? You know, and how big is this six-year-old? I mean, is he big-boned? Is he fluffy? That that you would not be able to see a gun on a six-year-old. You know, how did you search him and there was nothing to be found on a six-year-old? You know, I know we got big kids in high school, but come on now. You know, and how is it that this gun was so secure that he was smarter to get up, to stand up, to unload? I mean, it was locked, so he has the combination, he got the key, he got... I mean, but yet this is the same six-year-old that has to be escorted to one of them school bus classes. So, I mean, I, I, just, I just don't understand how this works. Me either. I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost. Um, Pat, so, Seth, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to intervene real quick. I'm sorry. Not only, not only did, did the child, I'm just thinking about it too, the parents escort him. But because he got an IEP, he also have a one-on-one parent. So he also has a parent with him as well. Yeah. Well, they mentioned the fact of a para and why he didn't have one um, this particular day or what happens on a regular basis. They touched on. They touched on that. And to answer your question, Pastor KL, initially when the story first came out, the cops said that there was an altercation. But afterwards, almost immediately afterwards, they said that there was no there was no altercation or anything. All that was supposedly had happened was that he pulled this gun out, pointed it at the teacher and she pulled the trigger. So there hasn't been any other explanation other than that. And and even in this particular um, news story, they say this is an unprecedented incident that we have had in our city where a six-year-old child obtained a firearm, brought it to the school, pointed it, fired, and shot his teacher in front of other students. It was just no rhyme or reason. He just pulled it out and he just shot it. That's the way they're telling the story um, from the very, you know, once they dismissed it, once the cop changed his mind and and said, no, he made a mistake, there was no actual um, altercation between him and the teacher. So, again, you know, there's no answering um, uh, nobody's being arrested. And 
I would be very surprised if it was on our side of the fence. I'm with you, Brother Al, because, oh, they lock us up with the quickness. They, you wouldn't have had an explanation. Uh, you wouldn't have had enough time to try to explain something. You would have been locked up. All of this, uh, nobody answering as an adult, this is a six-year-old child. You have to hold an adult accountable. And here you got the family, quote-unquote, talking from behind the attorney. We would have never been given that opportunity. I would be extremely surprised if this was somebody on our side of the fence because we don't get these privileges and we don't get these options. But I, I don't know. I don't know. But I will definitely be following this story. I will definitely be following this story because it's just too many unanswered questions. Now, the reason why this sticks out to me today, thank you for joining us, Pastor KL. The reason why this sticks out to me today is because this there's another story that's been brewing for a little a year. And I've seen it, and I've seen it, and I've seen it, but I never really zoned in on it. And yesterday I decided to finally pay it some level of attention. And that's this Alec Baldwin story. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it, but he was on set last year. Or 21. I think it was in 2021. He was on set. And like a couple of other instances... He was, um, he had a prop, a gun prop, and he pointed it at the cinematographer. And the gun went off and it killed her. And when they did the the research, the the prop gun um, actually had some live ammunition in it. So here's here's the story that they're giving. The reason why I caught my attention is because they finally decided to charge him with involuntary manslaughter in this, what they're calling the killing. And they say that the gun that Alec Baldwin had in the rehearsal went off killing this um, woman. And they're saying that not only is he being charged, but the armorer is also being charged with um, two counts of manslaughter. Now, the armorer is the person who is responsible for checking the props, supposed to be checking the props, making sure that Everything is okay with these props, making sure that there's no live ammunition, and they're holding that person responsible as well. So here's here's what they're saying. They're saying that he's been saying he didn't know that the gun had live ammunition in it, which why would he know? It wasn't his personal gun. And he's trying to figure out why are you charging me 
where from the beginning I've been saying, I didn't know the gun was handed to me from the armorer who ensured me that I wasn't being handed a loaded gun. Because that's the armorer's responsibility. That's their job is to check the equipment and make sure it's safe to be used. So they're charging the both of them because they're saying that Alec Baldwin, being the handler of this gun, should have known whether there was live ammunition in the gun. They're saying that the armorer is being charged because he or she should have known after checking thoroughly, because this has happened on set before. We know it's happened because I think it was Brandon Lee who was the one back in the 90s, um, uh, uh, Bruce Lee's son, where there was some um, live ammunition in the gun, and the gun went off, and, it, and some I think it was shrapplings killed him um, subsequently. Um, and a couple of other incidences on set. So it's not the first time. So they're like, this is why we created this part, this uh, position. So what were you doing that you handed him or you didn't make sure it was a live gun? Now, they're saying we're trying to definitely make it clear that everybody's equal under the law, including A-list actors like Alec Baldwin, And we also want to make sure that the safety of the film industry is addressed and things like this don't happen again. Now, the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez, Reed, who loaded the gun that day and was responsible for weapons on the set, um, that's why they're, again, charging her because it's what you handed him. When you handed him this gun, um, this is what you did. Now, there's a third individual. There's a third individual who is also who was also being charged, but that person worked out a plea deal um, on a charge of negligence and use of a deadly weapon. So had Alec Baldwin and the Gutierrez person done the same thing, they would have just walked off. But, oh, the assistant, the film's first assistant director, um, oh, no, wait, wait, hold on. They're saying the film's first assistant director who handed Mr. Baldwin the gun is the one who pled out. Well, I guess he did, because if he was the one who put the gun in the, in in his hand, oh yeah, you you really trying to get out of that one. So the armorer in this case didn't hand him the gun, ball with the gun, but he was the one that loaded the gun. So you got three people in charge. You got three people here. You have Alec Baldwin who literally was wielding the gun in rehearsal. Who they're saying you should have known what was in the gun. They're saying that. The armorer is the one who loaded the gun, so you should know what was in the gun. And the first assistant director, 
who handed Alec Baldwin the gun, you should know what was in the gun. So I got a question. He's saying he relied on the professionals to hand him the gun. There was no way in the world, all of them are saying, there's no way in the world that there should have even been live ammunition on set. So now they're going after the company that provides them with the guns. So that means that the the armorer who got the ammunition to put in the, wait, who loads the gun? Yeah, he loads the gun that now they're going after the person who provided him or her that ammunition. That they're now trying to figure out how did the ammunition get on the set in the first place. Now, here's why I say this is something that is twisting me up. You got a six-year-old who just got finished bringing a gun into the school, pulling it out, pointing it at the teacher, pulling the trigger. Now, you ain't charging nobody for that. Now, one of the other things that Alec Baldwin continues to say is he said he never pulled the trigger. He said the gun went off. He's not even acknowledging that he even pulled the trigger. So he's like, this is really not my fault because as we're in rehearsal, the gun ended up going off. Now, they don't say why he pointed the gun at the cinematographer. He's saying there's something that said, well, I just did what I was told to do. So I'm going to ask you, Brother Al, who needs to be held responsible and why? Wow, that, that that's a crazy story. But who should be held responsible is uh, the person who handles the gun, you know, handle the gun prop. You get paid. That's what you get paid to do is to handle these guns, make sure everything is good. So he definitely should be held account, you know, responsible for it. But now when the, ball, when the gun switched uh, several hands, you never know if somebody who got that took in, put a lot of ammunition in there. So all those who handled the gun should be investigated as well, and as well as the company. Because, again, um, now, I listened to, he said, uh, Alex Baldwin said, she didn't pull the trigger. You had to touch that trigger. Because sometimes what people don't understand, they have a thing called a hair trigger, where you can just touch the trigger and it'll go off. So you had to touch that trigger, and you might have just touch it and say, okay, I didn't pull it. And it didn't go, but you touched that trigger, and it went off. You know, so I don't think, um, well, again, he pointed, I, I, I would investigate all of them. But I think mostly the person who uh, is in charge of, of the props, I definitely would hold you accountable. This is your job, bro. You didn't know and this and that. So I, I would go for him. Now, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying clearly. So you have the armorer who loads the gun, you have the first director. Let me make sure I'm saying this right. You have, let me make sure I'm saying this right, Brother Al. 
So you have the the film's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who loaded the gun that day and was responsible for the weapons on the set. You have the first assistant director who handed Alec Baldwin the gun. So you're saying the one, which one are you saying, which one, or Alec Baldwin, who was wielded, who was working with the gun, who was given the gun. Who are you saying is responsible, you think? Uh, what you call the, 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 the armor bearer, that's what, they, that's what he's called? The armorer, the one who loads the gun. The armorer, right. I, I'm also responsible because that's your job. This is, what you get, this is what you get paid the big money for. Your job is to make sure that everything goes right with that with that tool, you know, and, and something happens. So I'm, I'm coming for you because, okay, what happened, bro? This is your job. This is what you get paid to do. You know, what what, what happened? You okay. know, so I'm, I'm going for the armor. Yeah, I'm coming for the armor. I'm coming for you. All right, so wait, Brother Al, before you go. Are you holding the first assistant director to any, oh, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, I'm asking, are you, because everybody be in charge now, so that's why I'm asking, I'm breaking this down. So are you, char, are you, uh, uh, is there an expectation from you in your head of the one who literally handed Alec Baldwin the gun? Is there some negligence there? Should he be charged, do you think? No, I don't. I don't think he should be charged. I think they should investigate because he could have just said, "Yeah, okay, where's the problem going? Okay, here you go, Alex." So, you know, I wouldn't close my eyes to it, but no, I wouldn't charge him. What about Alec Baldwin? Um, no, I would investigate him too, but I wouldn't charge him. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you, Brother Al. Oh, Pastor KL. So you got three people who's being charged with negligence here, which is why they're going for manslaughter. So they have two counts. Now, I don't know how they get, they don't explain how they get to two counts of manslaughter. Who do you feel is ultimately responsible? Well, first of all, I like to say I'm not – we, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, uh, guns and stuff like that, and as manly as, as I am, I don't know too much about that. It seems to me that Brother Al knows a whole lot about that. So I think for the D-Time crew, we should investigate his past. Cause he you know what? About guns, so. <laughs> so we need to look at that. I, I got a license for mine. I have a license for mine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, but, Again, because I don't know much about guns, you know, I, I can't tell you what a fake bullet looks like or what a real bullet looks like. I mean, is, is the person who's in charge of the gun initially, does he have that training to kind of decipher which is which, or did he just think he was putting in blanks? You know, I, I don't know who to charge unless I know their, their education or how they're, they're educated on the, on the two. Now, if he knew what a real bullet looks like, then I think I'll charge him because he's the one who put the gun together and gave it, you know, to, 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 to the actor. So I, I will be looking at him. 
you know, but if we just think, listen, we're we just running this scene and, you know, he got to get a gun because it's part of the scene and boom, here we go, then I don't know if I can charge him for that because I don't know that, that he knows that the ammunition was, was live. And let alone, you know, the actor himself because he's just playing a role going, going through script and he has the prop. You know, I, I've, I've, been in, I've been in a couple of um, plays where I've had a prop as a gun, but I've never looked at it to see if there was real bullets in there. So, yeah, I, I think I, it's hard to kind of blame anybody unless you know, you know, their fine education on it. Now, again, if, if he knew, you know, what a bullet looked like, then, yeah, I'd blame him because he should have known better. So, okay, so let's go over this piece. The armorer's job is to receive the the the, the, the props in from the company. Because remember, when I the last person I mentioned was the they're going after the company who sent the um, the the supplies, the supplier. That's what they're calling it. The primary supplier of the guns and ammunitions to the to, to the film set. They send that info, they send that equipment to the armorer. The armorer is responsible for loading the gun. And they said that the supply that was sent had mixed live ammunition and dummy rounds. Now, to get closer to your point as to do you know, well, if you're the individual, first of all, you would never, you should never have live rounds on a set. So if you normally receive dummy rounds, now I don't know whether a, a live round looks like a dummy round. I don't know. But I don't work as an armorer. You as a person who works in your store, you being sent this stuff all the time, this is your job. They're expecting you to know the difference. So clearly, they're expecting this person to know the difference, which is why they are now talking about well, wait a minute. You had some mixed live ammunition with some dummy rounds, so there's a big possibility that 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 person should have known that the the, the two rounds don't look the same. So that's how they put. That's how they are now pulling and extending this lawsuit to the company because they're like, well, what are you sending? Are you sending something that not even the armorer can tell the difference? There's, there's a lot of, a lot of questions, a lot of questions going on. So, okay, so you've answered as to whether the first assistant and the actor um, should be charged, which makes every sense to me because, again, if I'm the actor. I'm not looking for there to be any live rounds up in there. And I couldn't understand. One of the reasons why I didn't follow the story last year was because I couldn't understand why are you charging him in the first place. 
I mean, we're not charging him, but why are you even pressuring him if if this is just, like you said, Pastor KL, uh, you know, this is just a simple um, 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 chart, uh, uh, practice, let me chart. This is a, a simple practice. Um, now, I just got a, a comment that this could be a vendetta against the Baldwins. Well, one of the things that um, that they were saying in the article was that, you know, he's been under scrutiny for several, um, you know, things going on that, you know, he's had, he's, he's offended people, he's had his battles on social media, you know, uh, is, is, is anyone's reached that far in your opinion, Brother Al, that they're going to say, well, you know what, we're going to load up this gun or we're going to send this ammunition and hope that, um, you know, you can, you know, this will get mixed up so that Baldwin could possibly, you know, be charged. You know, did this? What, what's your thought on that one? Yeah, it could be. You know, what, what, what people don't understand, see, I, I always call social media the, the demon. You know, people get on the social media, they say things and they do things, and you don't realize at times you offend people. And it could have been somebody saying, you know what? Oh, he think he's that? All right, watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix him real nice. We're going to set him up so he can get caught or, or get blamed. Because, again, you look at it, too. I, if, if I'm correct, I, I heard you said that he pointed – the, the gun or whatever at a photographer. Why are you pointing the gun at the photographer? He wasn't a part of the scene. You know, why is the gun even going towards that way? So it's, it's like so right. many different things. There's so many different things that will point to them. Okay, okay, somebody gave you a gun, but why are you specifically pointing at the photographer? Why you didn't point it at the person that you're supposed to be um, in the film with? You know, right. so, and like you said, right. there could be somebody who said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to set him up. You know, he's been a little slick with his mouth and been going crazy that I'm going to set him up, you know. So and that 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 could be a possibility as well. That's why I say I wouldn't take my eye off him because, again, why are you pointing it at the photographer? You know, we're we, we going to keep an eye on you too to see what's going on. But as far as, like, the, uh, the armorer, this is your profession. You train for that. And the bullets do look different. I've, I've used pop guns. And, and you can tell the bullets is heavier. Real bullets are heavier. Those are a little bit lighter because it's just there to make a sound. You know, so that's a crazy case. Because they never, like you said, when you mentioned about Brandon Lee, they never found anybody guilty. Nobody never went to jail or anything for that. And there was a murder. Right. Somebody, when there's a murder, somebody's supposed to go to jail. I'm sorry. And a lot of people say, oh, this, this, and that. But again, when people, when it hits home, that's when everybody wants something done. Because it's not your family member, whatever you saying, blah blah blah. But if that's your family member, <laughs> I know. Cause I know I want somebody to pay for it. So it could Absolutely. be somebody setting them up. Could be. You know, brother Al, that was one of the things I went looking for in the article last night. I'm I'm trying to figure out, well, cause see, when I first heard the story last year, I thought that it went off somehow. It wasn't, you know, any particular thing, but it went off. And it actually hit. Just she just happened to be arbitrarily hit. When I read the article last night, and it said 
he pointed it at her. I'm like, well, why would you point it directly at her? She's a cinematographer. Just like you said, she ain't a part of a set of, you know, actors. So what were you doing that it actually, you know, where you're swinging it and it went her way? It, it just, it just the way it was worded was really poor as to say it was pointed at her. He pointed it at her. Uh, Pastor KL, you know, they're saying that, you know, there's, there's possible reach that far. That if you hate the Baldwins enough or hate him enough, that this is what you'll do. What comes to your mind when you hear that? Yeah, I, I think that's um, I think that's a bit stretched. I mean, I, I'm just now understanding the, the story that you're saying. It was a photographer. I mean, that, that to me, it puts it in a whole other light for me because it's not like you're running a scene. And this is what you're doing, you know. You're, you're pointing at the person you're supposed to be killing or whatever. It, it's it's somebody that has nothing to do with the scene at all. He, they, they're just taking pictures or filming, you know. So that that brings it into another light. As uh, like you said, did I have a personal vendetta or did did we have some type of argument at some point, you know? And am I trying to scare them? It is a scare tactic. So, you know, it, it brings a whole other light to the conversation where this is not my fellow actor and, you know, something just went boom. It was just a mistake. You know, why would I even be pointing this, this gun at, at the, you know, photographer? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so let's go back a little bit. You know, I started off saying in my first story, you know, I made the connection, and I said, listen to this story, and now listen to the story of the next case. And now, what is your thought when you think of, okay, so now you're pointing the finger at three, four people. Now, I have yet to hear that the company itself is not under fire um, and, and, and responsibility, but... Here you got, you ain't charging nobody for the six-year-old and trying to charge everybody for this instance. Brother Al, what's happening here? Somebody dropping the ball. Because it don't make sense to me either. They should be getting charged as well. I, I don't know what's going on. Somebody paying somebody, I'm telling you. Somebody paying somebody. You know, bro, you know, brother Al, it's crazy because, you know, Pastor Charlotte is always talking about, you know, something is going on behind closed doors. Now, we know that this is not, you know, the same set of people charging or not charging. We get that. But it just goes to show the imbalance of it all where, you know, nobody is being held accountable for the first uh, incident, but yet this particular incident, um, you know, they're trying to drag everybody down. And, you know, if if only things could be so evenly um, dealt with. Pastor KL, you know, when you think of the two disparaging um uh, 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 occurrences, what comes to your head? I, I think it's actually ridiculous. Here you are, you know, you, you have 
almost explanations and or excuses for for five people or four people in, in this in this scene, but yet there's there's no excuse for for this one incident here with the six year old. I mean, there, there, there's no getting around that. You know, the six year old had the gun. The six year old shot somebody. You know what I mean? The, the six year old got the gun from your house. There, 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 there's no, you know, uh, innocent to proven guilty. You have already been proven guilty. You've done this. You know, you've been proven guilty as a child. You've been uh, proven uh, negligent as the parents. So there, there, there's no, well, maybe, you know, there was a, there was a, a fake gun or maybe this or maybe that that, that we're doing with the scene. You know, this is all direct. There is no maybe. This is what it was. This is what happened. This is what it did. Now, what's the problem? Who are we looking for now? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if we could only get to a point where things are more evenly um, dealt with and, you know, I, I can see the point of, you know, a vendetta, even the vendetta meaning not what happened, uh, what you did, but trying to hold you responsible for it. So now I can see, as you gentlemen were talking, now, you know, it makes a little more sense when it says, you know, this is a vendetta, somebody trying to come after someone in the Baldwin family or, or him, you know, or he himself because, you know, now, okay, yeah, let's charge him with this. Because like you both said, and I agree, and that's why I brought it up in comparison, because I read both, you know, last night, and I'm listening, to, I'm reading one, I'm like, well, wait a minute, how we get all the way here for one, and we ain't even move out of step one for the other? And, you know, if you look at it, Brother Al, from um, the standpoint of we're going to get you charged, can you now see it as a vendetta also? Because you said yes in the first time, but can you also see this vendetta being held against this actor in pushing from behind the scenes him being charged? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most most, most definitely I see that. And like you said, it, I mean, the, 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 the little kid, <laughs> the six-year-old, that was just cut and dry. He had the gun. He shot the gun. He got the gun from somewhere. People saw him shoot the gun. <laughs> you know, that's just uh, cut dry. It makes me think, is, is the family related to the mayor or, or, or the sergeant or the captain or somebody? You know, it makes you think that. And now you're going after this man, and, again, somebody could just pass him, and he didn't look at it, and he just, you know, pulled the finger like, oh, shoot, what happened? You know, so, yeah, I definitely could see that. Uh, Pastor K.L., can you see... You know, if you look at it just from the simple angle of, you know what, from behind the scenes, we're going to push to make sure he gets charged for two counts of of manslaughter. Um, you know, he uh, he's going to pay. We're going to get him to pay this way. Um, can you see this being um, a, a, a way of getting back at this individual by doing something like this as a vendetta? Yeah, I mean, as a vendetta and as a, you know, somebody has to pay for it. 
you know, a, a lot of times, you know, we, we get blamed for stuff that we didn't do simply because the people need an answer. You know, the people need a go-to person. And and it, it's more clearer that that he would have done it purposely than any, anybody else. So, yeah, he, he's the go-to. He's the fall guy. So, yeah, I, I can see it happening. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The injustices um, of life and uh, the imbalances of life is what we're dealing with all the time. Um, thank you, gentlemen, for your contribution into today's conversation, um, giving us some thought-provoking conversation here today to take us into our weekend. We say thank you, and we pray you have a blessed weekend. You as well. You do, too. You do any hacking, make sure you check that gun. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much, Brother Al, unless, for the warning. Unless me and Al is in the same scene. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Ah, uh, there's maybe some vendetta going on. All right, you guys enjoy your weekend. Thank you. All righty. Oh, I tell you, we've had a lot of stuff go on this weekend from this news. And um, I would say let us... Uh, Hold hands and hold hearts together and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, oh God, uh, the Father of mankind, we thank you. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that you are always on the job. That no matter what it looks like, no matter how we feel, no matter what we think, you're always right there. You're always in the midst of it all. And God, all week we've been talking about um, just different injustices, um, different actions, um, whether, you know, the, the behavior is rational or not. And we thank you, God, again, as we always say, for just putting our mind in proper order that, you know, the person who got so angry that they set the church on fire, God, that we are not that person and we are not the, you know, the person who, you know, is involved with this entire situation, dear God. Thank you. We thank you, God, for giving us balance in life that, you know, even when we may have wanted to do something and go left, God, you just steered us back to the right. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for, you know, the, even the battles who came on to Heavenly Father and blessed us with uh, their marriage ministry. And even when we don't think we have a ministry in us, just the fact that they could come on and attest to 30 years of marriage and just give us such gems, we bless your name, dear God. Lord, we thank you for um, our pastor, Hewlett Pearson, who, with a vengeance, dear Heavenly Father, was on yesterday and, you know, taking um, scripture, using the biblical stories, um, using verses from the Bible to help us relate directly with the points in her book, you know, get God 
and Lord, where you know where it's a street term, actually be blessed because we can see how you can turn anything around and you for a blessing. So thank you, dear Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord, because you have given um, the term former life um, to us. And now we can attest to the then and the now of our life. And we thank you, God, for all the lessons that you have taught us through all our experiences, dear Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for using us when the world took us and threw us away, when the world ignored how useful we can be, and they considered us useless, but how you took us, God, and just remolded us and put us up and said, look at what I've done. Thank you, God, because we didn't have to be that individual. Thank you. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, as we always say, God, for you paying the bills. That if you didn't pay the bills, we wouldn't even have this communication ability to join hands and join hearts on a daily basis, God. Even the on-demand feature, we thank you for, God. Just in case we miss something, we could always go back and listen. Just in case we needed a review a refresher, we always have the ability to go back and listen. Thank you for even choosing the platform that this ministry would be housed in. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for taking care of our families. And as we're ministering to Heavenly Father, you're you're watching over each and every one of us. You're watching over Everybody in our families, God, you're watching over our homes. You're watching over our vehicles. You're watching over our health so that we can continue to do what you would have us to do, God. And we don't have to be worried about all the the things that are going on in our surroundings. We thank you, God, for every listener that has been sent our way. We had so many listens this week alone, and we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, because somebody is learning something. Someone is benefiting from all the ministry that's been done. Somebody's listening. Somebody's life is being changed as we speak, dear Lord. We thank you. We thank you, God, for using us. We thank you, God, for choosing us to be the ones who would hate, who would help to reshape lives down here on earth while you do what you do from above. Thank you, God. We thank you, God, for the uh, uh, incomes that some of us can actually work at the same time we're on the broadcast. Some of us are working before. Some of us are working afterwards. Some of us, you know, um, have, you know, uh, different ways we're being um, taken care of, God. And we say thank you. 
Because, again, you didn't have to do any of this, God, but you did. We thank you, God. We give you the glory and the honor because you're so rightly due. You're blessing each and every one of us as a listener, and you're blessing us as a minister. Thank you, God. We pray that you continue to use us where it would just make more and more disciples, more and more evangelists, more and more ministers of your word. We pray for this entire set of rust, God. Alec Baldwin, we pray for Gutierrez Reed. We pray for anyone else who's actually being charged. And, God, we pray that, as Pastor KL said, so rightly, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to take the fall. But we pray, God, that in your perfect will, those who need to be charged will be charged. And whatever accidents happened, that they would be seen as accidents, God, and unchargeable but not any level of negligence, God. And if your will says the opposite way, then so be it. But we're asking you, God, to just settle this matter fairly and evenly, God, for all those we talked about today. And any other day during this week, we lift them up to you, dear Heavenly Father. And we're asking you, God, to care for them. If they don't know you, God, introduce yourself to them in a special way. Please, dear Heavenly Father, because our world needs to take a change, needs to be turned around. And, Lord, we're praying that as you are calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light, that all of these influencers would help to influence people to be drawn to you. Thank you, Father, again, for using us, for us learning as we're being, you know, as we're ministering, we're being ministered to. We thank you, God, because we need it too. We give you the glory and the honor again. We praise your holy name. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Here we are. Here we are at the end of the week and we give God thanks for all that he has done for each and every one of us because it ain't easy it it sure ain't easy to work your way through life and minister it's not easy to work your way through your hardships and you're encouraging people while you need to be encouraged and God helps us out each and every day, on a regular basis. You know, we get on and, you know, we do what God has called us to do, but nobody knows what's going on in the background. You know, we have a whole crew here. And we're just, you know, grateful. You know, I I don't know about you, but I am grateful to God as, you know, no matter what's going on in my life or what's happening, you know, we have been without heat for well over a week. And, you know, there are some people who are living in the street. You know, so definitely, as I always say, you know, we're in the middle of life. Somebody is always doing better 
and somebody's always doing um, worse. But I brought that up to say, you know, we're shivering. (laughs) We've been shivering all week up until last night. You know, but you would never know it because you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to know it. Because through it all, we're supposed to continue to give God the glory. The Bible tells us to, you know, rejoice during trials and tribulations because it builds endurance. And, you know, it's, it's a blessing to be able, you know, when, when the, when the broadcast was over each day, you know, I was like, you know what? Thank you, Father. You got us through another day where, you know, we weren't, you know, we weren't unable to just give you everything we had. It was as though it was 90 degrees in the house. You know, so we, we, we just bless God because you, we have to press. I can't encourage you enough to just press your way. Press your way. Just continue to press, continue to press, continue to press. Because there's, as they say, and you know Pastor Steph don't use a whole lot of these uh, cliches. There's a blessing in pressing. Really, there's truly a blessing in pressing. You can only see how great God is if you press and push your way. You're not going to make it. You're not going to see who he is. You can't understand his worth, his true worth, unless you press your way. For real. I don't mean no halfway. You know, Shanti's always talking about the dry Christians, and that's what I'm talking about. I ain't talking about no dry, you know, oh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm holding on. I'm just hanging on in there. I'm talking about really pressing your way, taking the time to encourage the people of God, taking time to encourage a neighbor, taking time to, you know, help to lift someone else's spirit. Do what you're going through, even through what you're going through. And you're, while you're in the middle of the storm, you know, this I, I can't help somebody unless, I, you know, I, 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 I can be at a certain point. Or I can, I got to help myself if I help somebody else. Who lied to you? Because you can be a blessing with what you have intact. There is no point in anyone's life where everything is gravy. Because the enemy's going to see to that, especially those of us who who claim we are on the side of the Lord. He's going to ensure that you ain't got it all together because it's going to be something that he wants to use to break you so that you curse God, so that you turn away from God. Because I'm going to tell you something. We talked about it before. There are those who have. They couldn't endure the pressure. So the enemy says, all I do is just pressure you because I'm going to see if you break because many have broken and many have been broken. So you got you to gotta press. You got to press. I know you may not feel well physically, but you got to press. I know you may not feel great emotionally, but you got to press. 
I know your mental status may not quite be where you need it to be or where you want it to be, but you gotta press your finances. All that's the Achilles heel of life, your finances. Thank you. Thank God. Because again, no matter if you got five dollars in your pocket, there's somebody who's got six and there's somebody who's got four. So we're always in the middle of life. And, you know, God continues to show himself in your life as you press your way. You give God your life, God will give you so much that you can't even handle. And we ain't talking about just money. We're talking about just the gifts of God, which is just uh, so many different things. So hold on to God's unchanging. You will not regret it. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph, and I want to thank our due time crew, our men, for coming through big time, as always, and helping to send us into a thought-provoking weekend. Thank you for hanging out with us all week and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now or develop a stronger relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to anyone. Until Sunday, God spares where it's the Word Prayer Project. Come on in the room and join us. We don't know what God is going to have us praying about. Until then, God spares our life. I love you.